Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Sunday School. Uh, this is officially the start of a new quarter, but we have a little bit of a transition Sunday. The children are still wrapping up their summer classes and will begin their fall classes next week. And John Shine will be teaching the adult class on uh, one anothering in the Bible. Uh, all, there are so many commands throughout the scriptures that exhort us to do things for or to one another. And um, unfortunately, he's out of town this week, and we had a little gap week, and I thought, well, what would be a good way to, to fill that gap? And I thought, well, if we're going to dive into a, a series um, about our, uh, the things that God calls us to do toward each other as believers, maybe we could start by just thinking about how we can get to know one another better in the first place. Uh, so first, I'd like to just um, ask, uh, who can think of some examples of testimony in the scriptures. Examples of testimony in the scriptures. Take a moment and think to yourselves, can you think of times in the Bible that someone was called to to share the story of what God had done for them? Any examples come to mind? Paul? What, What example are you thinking of? Okay, so Paul telling the story of his conversion, and he does it at least three different times in Acts. Now, those are just the times that it's recorded. I'm sure he had opportunity to do it many more times. What other examples? Yes, Michael. Right, First John. Uh, John is begins very beginning by saying. You know, what we've heard and what, what we've seen and what our hands have handled and, and he's bearing witness to uh, what he himself has experienced. Another example? Yes. Right, so Peter telling the story of the vision that God gave him with the sheet. I think usually when we think about a testimony or um, bearing witness to what God has done in our lives, we primarily instinctively think about doing that to unbelievers. And certainly that's that's a a, a very important thing to do. God does tell us to tell people who have never heard of him or who might be confused about who God is, uh, to tell them about what God has done in our lives. But we can see in scripture that testimony isn't just uh, limited to telling to unbelievers. We're also called to speak to each other and tell each other as fellow believers what God has done in our lives. And I just want to look briefly at two passages. Uh, So one is Psalm 66 and verse 16. Maybe I could get a volunteer to read that. Psalm 66 and verse 16. And the next passage is Philippians 3 and verse 17. Who would like to read Psalm 66 and verse 16? Yes, Michael. Here, let me run up the mic. And notice, um, to whom is the psalmist speaking? Or to whom is he, um, yeah, whom is he addressing in this verse? So the verse says, Come and hear 
all you who fear God, and I will tell what he has done for my soul. Wonderful. So, Michael, to whom is he speaking in this verse? Is he speaking to the heathens? No, it says those who fear God. Right. So certainly there are times when, when the psalmist says, you know, all, go and tell all the nations, those who have never heard about God, what he has done for you. But here, he's speaking to those who already fear God. And then Philippians 3 and verse uh, 17, who would like to read that for us? Philippians 3 and verse 17. Any volunteers? Be one of our college students? Thanks, Joshua. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Good. So, Joshua, I'll, I'll have you keep it for just a minute. Tell me, who, to whom is Paul speaking in this verse? Brothers. Yep, he's talking to uh, the believers in the church at Philippi, and he calls the Philippians to uh, imitate his own example. This isn't the only place he does this. Uh, You might remember another place where he says, be followers of me or imitate me just as I am following Christ. Um, But note that he doesn't only say, look at my example, you know, I'm an apostle and you should, should note my example, but whom else does he say to observe? On those who walk according to the example. Right. So he's saying, even within your own congregation, you can look around and be encouraged by the example uh, that you see your brothers and sisters in the church setting. So I thought that today uh, we could do a little bit of that. And um, I think you all are uh, wonderful in this congregation about asking each other good questions during fellowship and asking each other questions about how people are doing spiritually. Um, I think it's uh, very frequent that people come and ask me things like, um, you know, what has God been doing in your life? How can I be praying for you? Are there any answers to prayer recently that I can rejoice in with you? Um, What have you been reading recently in scripture that's been encouraging to you or convicting to you? And all of those are wonderful questions. Uh, But sometimes it's nice when we have opportunity to, to zoom out a bit and not just ask about what God is doing right now, as important as that is, um, but it can be a particularly sweet and blessed experience to um, learn about how someone first came to know the Lord or ask about something that happened in the past in their life. Sometimes people, if people come and say, you know, what's going on right now? How can I pray for you right now? And I think, oh, well, certainly I need a lot of prayer right now, but it's hard to think of any one thing in particular. And... And, um, and it can be a sweet experience to sometimes uh, step back and, and say, well, uh, maybe we could uh, hear how you first came to know the Lord. So uh, I wanted to just share a few examples of doing that this morning. I somewhat uh, randomly just asked three members of the congregation if they'd be willing to let me do this with them, ask them the three questions of um, just first, asking how did you come to know the Lord, Second, asking what has been uh, just an example of maybe God's work in your life in a particular way or a significant encounter with the Lord, um, something that was a a milestone in in your spiritual journey. And then um, is there a portion of scripture that's been particularly meaningful to you at at some point in your life? 
And um, I asked three people, uh, Joyce Anderson and Clyde Nyblack and Courtney McManigal, uh, not because they are strange or unusual or to put them up on a pedestal or anything like that. Um, I do think you all, are, you all are very special to me, but everyone in the congregation is, is dear and special to me. And um, I just picked them, not because of anything uh, weird or different, but just to try to get a cross-section of the congregation and, and as an example of how, how I hope we can all be doing this for each other and be encouraged and edified and um, just by uh, following what we see in Psalm 66 and in Philippians 3, of speaking to each other what God has done in our lives and being encouraged and, and following and considering each other's example. Um, so I asked Joyce if she'd be willing to go first. And Joyce, if you're willing to come and just have a seat, um, or if you prefer to stand, that's I fine too. I have to stand, because if I get up on this and I fall off, it will be weird. <laughs> okay. <laughs> May I give you the mic? Can I also ask you to hold the mic? Oh, sure. Well, how about this? How about we just trade places and just, if you're willing to just clip this onto the edge of... Oops. I need a five-year-old to help me. Is that better? There we go. Okay. Um, he said we could just speak off the cuff. But if I did that, you'd be here till tomorrow morning or next week or something like that. So to keep it down to 15 minutes, I have prepared. Okay. That's fine. So you asked me first, how did I come to know the Lord? Um, I was the first of 10 children born to my parents during the aftermath of the Depression. From my parents, I learned the slogan made popular in World War II, use it up, wear it out, make it do, or do without. Uh, we were a family with not much resources. Um, my mother was a Christian, so I did know about Jesus from my earliest days. Um, I made a, a public profession in, um, at age 12. During my high school years, a Bertie Thompson, my pastor's wife, took an interest in me and helped me make some good choices. I didn't always follow her advice, but then I learned later, you know, she really knew better. Among those things, she encouraged me to go to a Christian college. I said, Bertie, we do not have money in our home for a college. But she gave me some advice, which I have followed ever since. She said, if you seek God's will and follow it, he will make a way for you. With this wisdom, I applied to Gordon College in New England, and God did supply with work opportunities, some scholarships, and loans. From godly professors, I grew to know Jesus better, but I also learned how to integrate my faith with my everyday living. Second question, is there a portion of scripture that has been particularly meaningful to you at some point in your life? Last spring, in my current season as a widow, I found myself facing many challenges which required prayer and trust in the sovereignty of God and his kindness, 
But instead, I found myself worrying about many things, silly things, big things. But then I discovered Timothy Whitner's book on Mindscape, What to Think About Instead of Worrying. Whitmer, a professor at Westminster Theological Seminary, based his book on Philippians 4, 4 4-9, other scriptures, and quotations from both classical and modern writers. Philippians 4, so this is the scripture I chose for today. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, what is pure, what is lovely, whatever is commendable, If there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. I began to put into practice about these truths related to my decisions. However, perseverating about problems continued. Then I remembered an object lesson from a seminar I attended years ago. This summer, Paul Munson emphasized the power of object lessons in our study of Jeremiah. So I'm sharing an example with you. The presenter at the seminar gave each of us a jar with pieces of paper. On these papers, we were to write each item that we were concerned about. So, you know, being a first child and very obedient, I said, I wonder if my neighbor remembered to get the kids off the bus. I wonder, did the sitter remember to give them their lunch money? What if my plane is late and they forget to pick me up? He told me, he told us, to select a time every day. You know, I picked five o'clock, just before supper. And he said, take out the slips of paper and worry, and worry, and worry, and worry about each of them. Think about the worst possible consequences that could happen. Just worry, worry, worry. So, but then, we were to take take the lid off, put the papers back in. And the next time when we, that worry crossed our mind, we were to say, no worry, I worried about that already. <laughs> so it's done, it's done, it's taken care of. Well, last spring, I remembered this strategy and I purchased this jar at the dollar store. And I took out the, made pieces of paper and I wrote down all the things I was worried. Now, most recently it was, what am I going to say Sunday morning? (laughs) What am I going to do? So I wrote down all the things on, on my paper. However, what I did was to set a time each day 
For me, it's usually 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning. And I take out my jar, and I put down the things I'm worried about it, and then I pray about everything. I pray about everything, and I trust that the sovereign God who loves us is going to answer. So this morning, in preparation for today, I opened the jar to look about what I'd put down in these last few weeks. I found, to my pleasure, that not only have I become more confident and more peaceful, but many of the things I've been worrying about all these months were already, had already been taken care of. I had been concerned because our camp roof was in a problem, and Hal and I tried to think about it years ago, but I finally said, all right, pick up the phone and call. Do some research. Get it done. And as I looked at my worry jar this morning, I said, the roof is done. And many of the other things that I prayed about, God has already answered. Question three? Sure. Okay. What has, what has been a significant encounter with the Lord or example of his work in your life, either recent or distant? I'll take the most recent one. In spring 2023, I was invited to attend Grief Share at the Daybreak Church in Mechanicsburg. I resisted because I thought, I can go it alone. What if I go and what if I break down and I start crying? What do I do if they don't seem to understand? However, I finally signed up for the program. The sessions included videos of Christian speakers, a breakout session each evening with other people who were going on the same journey of grief, and a workbook in which we were to journal. We were encouraged to grieve, but not as those without hope. We were to see ourselves as a river, not a lake, not stagnant, but a river to be used by God in whatever situation we were in. We were to see ourselves as a conduit, not a container. We were to use our stored memories of the ones that we loved, the ones we had lost, but we were to use these as a way of being encouraged to continue that legacy. He's gone, but I did not die. I am still here. And so I needed to continue on. I needed to still be alive. In preparation for today, I pulled out that grief, grief share um, booklet. I did not always make forward progress this spring. Sometimes I relapsed. Sometimes I started worrying again. Sometimes I said, what if, or if only. So I didn't always, I wasn't always following what I should have done. I sometimes had negative thinking again. However, as I think about it, I just read Tim Keller's book uh, that Hansen wrote about Tim Keller, his spiritual and intellectual foundation. And Colin Hansen says, 
uh, quoting Tim, cheer up. You're a worse sinner than you ever imagined. So let's just admit it. Yeah, there we are. However, you're more loved than you ever dare hope. And I know that that love of God, and I've seen it from you all, um, yes, you, you have been my support. You have been my comfort. You've been my advice givers. You've been my problem solvers. And so I thank God for that. But what I have recognized is that the gospel is real. The scriptures are real. The presence of Jesus is real. When people ask me, so how are you? Well, Paul Rundle usually likes to say this. So so how are you really doing? Because he want to solve something if you've got a problem. But I, I say, I've lost my best earthly friend, but I'm doing okay. I'm really doing okay. And then I believe that the love of God and the Father is real. I believe God, the Spirit, still leads us and guides us. And I'm not going to sing this for you, although I could, but I won't. Steve Chapman's song is my song. I want to finish well. I want to end this race still leaning on his amazing grace. I want these last few miles to testify that God never fails. I don't want to fall down this close to the line. I want to finish well. Thank you. Thank you very much, Joyce. them say, yes, the Lord has been faithful for, for a few decades that I've lived. Um, but we also need people like you whom, who can testify to the congregation and say, God has been faithful to me for many decades. How about 87 years? <laughs> well, I wasn't going to ask for a number. But. It's okay. That's why I can't climb up on a, well, I could, but <laughs> I'm not going to. <laughs> Thank you very much, Thank you. Joyce. Okay. No, compar- no comparisons. God just... I don't have anything scripted. Or anything. That's okay. I have to. Would you prefer that or would you prefer the mic? Yeah, the mic's better for me. Okay. Now. Yeah, so first of all, could you just share with us how you came to know the Lord? Well, I don't have a, some people have a specific date, you know, and that's fine. 
when I would say from, you know, whatever, whatever. <clears throat> but I don't. I tend to lean on, uh, I think it's 2 Timothy something other, when, when uh, it's written that uh, Timothy came up with his... From a child? Yeah, Lois and Eunice and that. And the reason I say that is because some of you older people that have been here for a while know that I never knew my father. <clears throat> but uh, God and his sovereign plan for my life, I grew up basically in the house that I live in now, and my grandfather was a very devout man, a deacon in the Lord's church who I believed in the heaven now. <sighs> my grandmother, you know, played the organ and, and such, and there was a good deal of Christian witness as I grew up. Not everyone was saved in my, my family, my community family, but everyone knew, at least notionally, who Jesus Christ was. So that, that was my basic experience from literally from birth up to, uh, I'd say, 12 or 13, 14 years old when I began to, uh, you know, run around in the streets and get in trouble and stuff like that. So I didn't really pursue, uh, you know, formal religion or going to church or anything like that. However, I'll fast forward to, say, uh, mid-30s or so, Again, people that know me, I'm a recovery. In fact, I'm celebrating 16 years clean on September the 1st. So I had I had uh, a lot of problems with the law. You know, never been to the state penitentiary. Uh, been to Cumberland County Prison four times. Scott <laughs> and others that know me know that. Uh, and so this last time that I went to Cumberland County Prison, I started going to Bible studies again. It was I was some, somewhat reluctant to go at first. I remember telling myself that, you know what, Clyde, you're just going to be a drunk and a drug addict, and you're going to die out in the streets. And he called Bible study one day, and I said, I'm going to go. And so I went, you know, and the rest is so-called history. But I clearly remember I went to a Bible study. Some of them were terrible, by the way, but I went anyhow. Theologically speaking, y'all know me. No, <laughs> but I went because it was something to do positive. You know, and we, I went to one group, and I came back to my cell, and I clearly remember uh, that we had talked about uh, the 14th chapter of John. You know, and again, I went back to my cell, and I'm like, I get to John 14, 6. And at that point, folks, I wrestled with God. Read John 14, 6. Put the book down. Lord, there's not, ain't no other. Can no, Clyde. Can you remind us what John 14, 6 says? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So I wrestled with that. I put the book down, 
15, 20 minutes, meditate on it, pick it back up, talk to God again. Lord, is there, there got to be, you mean, is that? No, Clyde. <laughs> you know, emphatically, no. This is, this is my word. That's the way that it is. Went back and forth with that for about an hour, hour and a half, two hours or whatever. And I clearly remember I finally said, okay, Lord. And if you want to call that my conversion experience or whatever, and that's what really that verse like grasped me. And I really, holy fear came upon me because I'm like, well, if that's the only way, then maybe I need to agree to that or accept that or whatever. So that's kind of like how I got to where I am now, the beginnings of where I am now. And then there was another verse, uh, which was uh, the second chapter of Ephesians, chapter 2, uh, 8 to 10. Some people leave 10 out. I don't. For grace you've been saved through faith, and that, of your, not of, that not of yourselves, to gift to God, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Uh, that he had prepared for him for us to walk in or whatever it says that those two verses that I still carry around with me to this day again to lead me uh, you know to where I where I am now but back to the 14 6 verse at that point I had said I said to the Lord you know uh, you know when I get out of when I get out of jail I'm not drinking no more. When I get out of jail, I'm not doing no more drugs. But you got to help me. I can't do it by myself. And so again, here I am today, 16 years later. And I took a vow, church, pray for me on this, because my flesh is still weak. I took a vow that I would never do that again. Not that I don't sin, because I sin daily, you know. But that drug and alcohol thing, mm -mm, I, I can't do that. You know, and so far the Lord has been faithful. Here I am again. You know, I've, I've lost, wow, we need not even want to get into how many people I've lost to, you know, drug and alcohol abuse and, and street violence and that, that whole thing. So that's how I came to what, if you want to say a conversion experience or a conversion time period, I think I was like 37 years old at that point with the John 14, 16. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Clyde. And praise the Lord for just his, his work of grace in your life and his power to preserve <laughs> you since then. Yeah. And for, all, for each one of us. Would, would you be willing to share um, maybe since that time some, some um, experience with the Lord that has been particularly significant, um, perhaps something he's done in right. your life in, in the time period since then? Well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in agreement with, with my dear sister, Miss Joyce, because I could talk forever on, you know, that particular topic. However, again, many of you that have been around a while and know me know that I had a, a kidney transplant. Well, I was on dialysis, hemodialysis, peritoneal dialysis, which is done in the home a couple years back. And uh, I was on, placed on the kidney transplant list. 
you know, and I clearly remember uh, year and some change ago, uh, I get a phone call from the kidney transplant team at UPMC Harrisburg. Phone rings, and uh, the woman, her name is Rebecca. She said, Clyde, good news. I said, yes, Miss Rebecca, what can I do? What, what, what's this news? Oh, we found a donor. What? <laughs> I'd only been on the list for like two months. And you know, that's like doc knows, and that's like unheard of. <sighs> and I said, Miss Becky, don't, don't, don't play with me. <laughs> no, seriously, because, you know, this is, and she said, Clyde, we don't, we don't trifle with things like that. You know, I'm, I'm serious. We found a donor for you. And I'm like, floored. This has to be God. You know, I believe in the sovereignty of God, but this is, this is God. You know what I mean? So I says, and here's my point. So I says, who, who is this person? Who is this man? Who is this woman? And folks, she said, we can't tell you. It's an anonymous donor. I just, tears start rolling because I felt as though this is an angel from the Lord. This is directly from God, folks. You know, somebody, whoever, whomever it is or was, just shows up and gives me a kidney, don't want to be known, don't nothing, never heard from this person before, never heard from him or her during the experience, never heard from this person since. And it blows me away to this day. From time to time, when I say my morning prayers, I say thank God for that person. You know, so that's just one of my many experiences, but one that I prayerfully would never, ever, as long as I live, forget. Mm. You know, and then since, since then, it's been a year, July's for the year, I've had minor complications. That's it. So that's the one that I'd like to share with you guys. It reminds me of in Psalm 103 where, where we hear that God is the one who heals our diseases. Yeah. And, and that's where I'm at with that. Yeah. Thank you. Well, you've, you've, you shared um, from, from that experience where you were wrestling with a John 14, 6 yeah. and Ephesians 2. Mm -hmm. um, are, are there any other um, examples of a significant portion in scripture that's played some role in your life or that's particularly dear to you? I, I like to stick with, again, with Miss Joyce, I like to, you know, stick with those two because uh, uh, part of my vow, I'd say, with the John 14, 6 experience was to peruse the entirety of scripture yearly a little bit every day read the whole book and with God's help and with God the Holy Spirit's strength I've done that for 16 years straight and I say this humbly folks I'm no braggadocia or nothing like that there because that would only be my flesh but I've read that book you know, from cover to cover since that day. Now, whatever plan I'm doing, Pastor, I'm doing McShane this year. I've done McShane and I've done other plans. 
over the years, but uh, it's, it's really been, I, I can't even think of a word to use to describe the experience, but that's what I've done every single day. Oh, except for when I was in the hospital. I'll take that out. <laughs> Whatever that period was there, I really didn't read. But other than that, no, 16 years every day. I think that's excusable when you're under anesthesia. <laughs> it's hard to read. Well, you know, I could have, you know, once I came out or whatever and came from under and it was, I had some moments there when I'm like, well, I, don't know, I might not make it. But uh, yeah, 16 years, the whole book. Thank so you, I, can't, I can't say other than those two verses, I have one or two or three that I say it's the whole book. But I will say this before I go, though, uh, you know, it did, you know, the Lord sent me here and I had read, uh, again, Sister Joyce, I had read uh, uh, Charismatic Chaos by, by <laughs> MacArthur. <laughs> and he had a profound effect on me, you know, with what what we call uh, the reform view. And I struggle with that a little bit. I prefer to say, you know, I look at the scriptures, read the scriptures, and that's what I see, and that's what it says. You know, I don't go into, you know, the, the Calvinist view or the reform view again, you know, say for Ephesians 1 or whatever, it clearly says, you know, predestination, the word's right there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I'm not, you know, when I go down to truck stop to teach, for instance, some of the people there bristle at, you know, predestination. I'm like, dude, it says it right there. Mm -hmm. And that's it. You know, whether you agree with that or not, then you can argue with God about it, but that's what it says. So well, that's what we teach here, and that's why I like coming here. Well, we're glad you're here, Clyde. I'm glad to be here. Thank yeah. you very much. Okay, thanks for having me. God bless you all. Appreciate every one of you. Courtney, you're up. Do you prefer the mic or the... Okay. There you go. Now I'm all emotional from... <laughs> it is very two. emotional. Do you have a tissue, anybody? <laughs> Right, so I'm starting with my testimony. Um, I think I could relate a lot with Joyce as I was, I'm a firstborn child, the oldest of five, not ten, um, and not after Depression era, but grew up in a very poor southern Texas family, and God had put a number of believers in my life. I had gone to church somewhat sporadically with uh, my mom, and I remember just hearing Jesus loves you. I remember seeing my mom baptized, but never hearing the gospel. And then my family moved from southern Texas to Pennsylvania when my mom started a job um, at Geisinger Medical Center. She started her residency there, and another coworker that was just starting and I had a daughter my age, new to the area, and invited me to a sports camp. And I love sports, and I said, sure. We show up, and it's a Christian sports camp. 
um, which I wasn't opposed to. I just was surprised. And they sang a lot of songs I didn't know. And we did devotions each day. And at the end of the week, um, there was a campfire, and one of the counselors gave his testimony. And just very, very plainly just laid out the gospel. And it was the first time I heard I was a sinner. I was that firstborn child. So I just thought I was the best thing ever. Like I, I listened to my parents. I did what I was told. And uh, so to be um, shown from the scriptures that, no, I, I am a sinner. And, um, but there was a Savior who died for me that I could be forgiven. And so that would have been my like, conversion. But uh, in God's providence, um, I started cross-country, and my cross-country coach was a Christian. And a number of girls on my team were Christians, and they all went to a Baptist church in Danville, and I got plugged in there and um, just grew slowly in my faith. Um, But it wasn't really until college I was involved with a campus ministry, and that's where I felt like like your pastor's wife, just um, people who came alongside of me, helping me to study the scriptures for the first time. I didn't didn't know what to do when I opened my Bible before. I would just kind of highlight everything. (laughs) Um, But just teaching me how to study the scriptures and... um, what it looks like to follow Christ daily and how to share my faith and all, all those things that the Lord used in college to uh, grow me in my walk with him. And he provided a godly husband who shepherds me and um, a faithful church that preaches the gospel. So it's a continual process of rejuvenation. But, um, yeah, that's my testimony. Thanks. Maybe you'd be willing to share just an, an example of some significant um, point along your spiritual journey uh, with the Lord, uh, his work in your life, or some, some like Ebenezer moment? Yeah. Um, well, I figured if I have to come up here and talk, I'm going to talk about y'all. So uh, a year ago at this time, we discovered one child and then two ch- other children and then Michael were all diagnosed with celiac disease. And uh, we were sort of at different stages of mourning. Like I was mourning first because I was like, whoa, this changes my everyday life. And then Michael found out he had it a couple weeks later and he was mourning then more as it was affecting him personally. Um, And I just felt super overwhelmed and um, not sure. Like I just, like I had to clean my kitchen again from ceiling to floor it felt like had to clear out the pantry I was shopping all the time many times a week uh, just trying to find gluten free items for our family um, and felt just very overwhelmed um, and that first Sunday uh, after evening worship I turned and there were Matt and Kristen right there asking us like how are you doing how can we be praying for you um, and I've just seen one God's providence. We had just moved to a new house, and um, we were closer to stores that make it much easier to shop for gluten-free. Um, most of my marriage, I feel like I've been trying to get out of the kitchen as much as possible. Michael's a great cook himself. Um, but like meal planning, instant pot, like whatever I can do <laughs> to minimize my time 
shopping and in the kitchen. I felt like the Lord was just bringing me back. Um, but he gave me a beautiful new kitchen to cook in and a beautiful garden that I'm looking at. No, nothing that I did. Like I, We didn't design the kitchen. We didn't plant the garden. But God gave it to us graciously. Um, you know, his providence in just being closer to grocery stores. Like all of the moms here know, just even five minutes closer to the place that you're going every week, multiple times a week, it's, that really adds up. Um, and then God just meeting me in my own heart. Like I, I don't love to cook. It's not, not one of those that's passionate about cooking. I'm passionate about feeding my family, I guess, but, um, and helping them to get healthy. But I remember just praying, like, oh, I have to be doing this way more. Like, I can't just get whatever from the store. If I mess up dinner, I can't just get pizza. Um, And I remember praying, like, God, help me just to find joy in this, or at least not to hate it. And he really has answered that prayer. He's, he's supplied needs in, in different ways um, to help me want to do it more. I still, I wouldn't say it's like, you know, I had a Saturday all to myself, like would I be cooking? No. But I, I love seeing the joy on my family's faces when, like, I, we made graham crackers for the first time. Like, and they just were so thrilled, you know, to, to have graham crackers. Um, And the Lord just meeting me through, you know, the family of Christ that God has given us that, you know, those hospitality ladies, they're, they're so great. Like I remember when we were first going through it, explaining to them, like, don't let the little ones just like come and sneak a cookie. Like I wasn't sure what that would look like uh, for our family. And I was like, I'll bring them cookies so that they can eat cookies. And the next week, you know, there's Pamela and Trish and Kathy just, here, we bought gluten-free cookies for your kiddos. And I just started crying because I'm like, oh, they think about us and they love us. And, um, you know, I felt like we were getting into a routine, but didn't really have other people cooking for us. Um, And within a span of two days, I had four people ask, like, how can they start cooking for us? And I felt somewhat overwhelmed by it because I'm like, I don't I'm trying to figure it out myself. How do I explain it to someone else? And one was Betsy Munson and one was Laura Collison. And they had both sent me emails just detailing all the stuff that they had thought through. And I was just blown away. And our family successfully ate with them. And um, yeah, that just really ministered to my soul and all the all the people I've given cutting boards to so when you prepare fruit or whatever for our family that it's done in a safe way or Emily for our young girls night um, she showed up just beaming like oh I, I have gluten free I think it was cookies or something she's like my mom went to BB's and found all these gluten free snacks and bought them and I, I just was floored because somebody went to the grocery store saw something gluten free and thought of us like that's just that why does that happen mm. and it's because God's at work and so um, yeah he's my encounter with the Lord has really been through his people loving mm. our family and thinking of us and walking with us uh, mm. through all of this yeah thank you for sharing that Courtney uh, last of all um, maybe some 
portion of scripture that's been particularly meaningful to you? Yeah, it's such a, a hard one. It's like, well, like every sermon, every, like the Lord just like Clyde says, is always, I know, he's just, he's always using his word. That's what he promises. Um, but I thought since we've been studying Romans, I'll share one that um, the Lord has used and continues to use. So it's um, Romans 12, 1, where Paul is making an appeal um, to the Romans um, to present their bodies as a living sacrifice, uh, which is holy and acceptable to him. And a um, number of years ago, well, when Michael and I first got married, we were in uh, ministry. We were uh, working with college students, and um, the leaders of the ministry would come up with yearly goals, and then the team leaders, and then each team member would implement those goals you know, in their personal growth plans. And the one year, it was like thriving during the season of growth, because um, the ministries were growing crazy, and we wanted to grow well and grow in a way that honored the Lord. And I remember our team leader meeting with us, just touching base, like, how is that going? And I had two little kids, and I did not feel like I was thriving. I was surviving, is what it felt like. Um, And I just felt discouraged, because I wasn't, you know, I was used to, in in prior seasons, being on campus with the students, um, helping Michael in Bible studies, and or if I couldn't go, I at least could make a homemade treat for them. And that, at that point, I think I was just buying whatever from Aldi like to send with them. Like, I just felt like I wasn't doing much in ministry. And I appreciated our uh, mentor just walking alongside of me and saying, you know what, I don't think that's the most helpful um, image to use for you in this season. And I appreciated also Paul Munson, you know, like talking about how Jeremiah uses those object lessons. And I'm thankful that the Lord just provides so many of those. It's not just one same image that he uses, but he uses all sorts. Um, And so, um, you know, he shared that verse with me and it's been so helpful in different seasons of motherhood. Like at that time, you know, you're just all you with little kids. It's like you're sleep deprived. You're, you're giving your body all day and night to sustain um, little ones and um, just realizing that that's holy and acceptable to God and that he sees it um, even though it didn't feel like I was being very productive, like my house didn't feel clean or I wasn't on campus doing what I thought I should be doing. No, that's where God had me. Um, and so my season is different now. I'm not up all night with little ones. Um, I'm more mentally tired than physically tired, I guess. Um, but he's, he sees all of those things. And um, I think my temptation is always to put my worth in what I get done and accomplished. And that's not always what God has for me. And I, I've just always appreciated that verse and how God has use that just to remind me of what he's called me to and to find my hope in him. Thank you, Courtney. Well, again, as I said at the beginning, uh, there's nothing unusual about the three people that I asked, Joyce and Clyde and Courtney, except insofar as every single story in our congregation is 
is unusual. You know, why is it that God would take someone who's, who's at enmity with him, who's dead in trespasses and sins, and raise them up to new life and preserve them over all these years? So uh, we heard just from three people today, but you can look around the room and there are about 150 or 200 people on a typical Sunday morning that you could ask some of those questions and be encouraged and strengthened by, by hearing of what God's doing in their life. So let me um, pray for Joyce and Clyde and Courtney, and then we'll close in singing. Let me pray. Our Lord God, uh, we've gotten uh, the blessed opportunity just to hear briefly from three uh, beloved brothers and sisters in our congregation about what you have done in their lives, how you have been faithful to them over the years. Uh, and Lord, we, we delight to think of how many uh, more instances of that there are just all around us. We ask that you would help us to grow in, in just being bold in testifying to your work within our lives, that we would be quick to have your praises on our lips and to tell both unbelievers and believers of how good you have been to us. Uh, Lord, we thank you for Joyce. We do ask that you would continue to preserve her from worry, that she would be able to cast her cares upon you, that you would lift her up and comfort her, and we thank you for the joy that she brings to us. Uh, We give you thanks for Clyde, and Lord, praise you for... uh, giving him to us as a beloved brother. Uh, Thank you for preserving him uh, through these years, keeping him from temptation, giving him a love and hunger for your word. We ask that he would continue to grow in grace and in his knowledge and love for you. And Lord, we thank you for Courtney and how you have used your people to minister to her and encourage her. Thank you for her perseverance and, and, um, Lord, her seeking joy even in the difficult things that you call her to. We ask that you would continue to bless her as she seeks to bless her family and to bless others. And Lord, we pray for all of us that uh, as as we we look around the room, we would be encouraged by each other's example and and that we would be able to imitate Christ better as we see how others are following him. We pray this in his name. Amen. Well, in closing... I thought we would sing from, I couldn't think of anything better than a setting of Psalm 87. So if you'll turn to selection number 436. I'm not sure if we've sung this one before, so I'll, I'll play it through once in advance. Um, but I'll tell you why uh, this one is so dear to me. Uh, so um, I think last week when we sang a glorious things of thee are spoken, Dr. Munson pointed out, to whom is that addressed? Glorious things of thee are spoken. Who is the thee in that selection? Yes, Zion. We're actually singing, are we singing to a mountain somewhere in Israel? Who are we singing to when we're singing glorious things of thee are spoken, Zion? Yes, the people of God. And um, it's the same thing in this selection. Zion founded on the mountains. And when you look into the second verse, heathen lands and hostile peoples soon shall come the Lord to know. You might be thinking, oh, well, all those people off in Indonesia or Africa or someplace. But 
that's us too, right? From the, from the perspective of where this was written in Israel, we here in, often another continent on the other side of the world, we are those heathen lands and hostile peoples. Um, and and in, the, in the third verse when it says, when the Lord shall count the nations, sons and daughters, he shall see. That's us. We are those sons and daughters who have been uh, ransomed from every tribe and tongue and nation. And at the end when it says, Blessed Zion, all our fountains are in thee. Um, I always think of uh, how our Lord Jesus Christ uh, described, uh, you know, the one who, who uh, comes to me out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water and that he is the very source of that living water. So let me play through this once and we'll sing together 436.